0: Welcome to Your Life and Money, where we believe that financial planning is not just about numbers, it's about your life. I'm Brad Smith, joined always by Tim Barodi, and each episode we'll be sharing stories from real people who have used life-centered planning to achieve their goals and dreams. At Advice First, we believe that the key to financial success is aligning your money with your values and your priorities. And we're here to help you do just
1: that. So sit back, relax, and let's get started on the journey to a life-centered Plan. Brad, nice to see you as always. We're back again. I know. It's, I know you've been under the weather a little bit. And I mean, I think I said the same thing last time we were recording too. So still under the weather. Yeah, but uh, This
0: one's lingering. Can't seem to get rid of it.
1: Yeah. Well, hopefully hopefully the voice continues to hold out as we have some more discussions today. And, uh, and yeah, I wanted to continue the conversation from our, well, from when we recorded, which was actually last week. Um, about, again, the really kind of reiterating the differences between estate planning and this idea of wealth transfer that we kind of introduced last week. Um, and then spend some time to maybe unpack or start to unpack that wealth transfer process. And uh, so what I was thinking today is we could maybe discuss the the first couple of decisions. We alluded la- last episode to six decisions that need to be made. Yep. Um, so maybe kind of start to walk through the first few of those decisions that people need to uh, think about and be aware of as they're, as they're kind of having these conversations and, and these discussions. So um, again, kind of going back to last week, The what's what's the biggest difference between that traditional estate planning kind of process and this idea of wealth transfer.
0: Yeah, estate planning historically has really focused around um, two main things, often taxation, mm-hmm. you know, so people want to reduce probate or reduce taxes. And so decisions are made around an estate from a tax perspective. And that may not actually be a good decision, right? Just because it's it saves you money on taxes doesn't necessarily mean uh, that's what you want it to really happen in the end. So mm-hmm. um and then the second area is often around control. We didn't touch on that one last week, but sometimes people want to try to control things from the the grave. Um and we have to recognize that you have you're giving up control the moment you pass away. Right. And so those often are what tries to um drive the decisions on the estate plan and we're going to touch on that control one a little bit later um, and but wealth transfer really tries to look at the impact on the beneficiary mm-hmm. whoever's going to receive the wealth as your highest
1: priority so um, almost the complete opposite from me controlling this and me doing this it's now what how are my beneficiaries going to receive this or and and how is that going to be most efficient, I guess. Yeah.
0: And, or, or simply, you know, if you look at reasons why people don't do estate planning today, there's two main reasons. One, I don't know how long I'm going to live for. I don't know if I'm going to need the money. Maybe by the end, there's not much of an estate to give away. So who cares? Right. Right. <laughs> you know, if I have to live 10 years in a, in a nursing home and it drains the estate, why am I putting all this effort into estate planning or wealth transfer? Yeah. The other thing is, is the second thing is, is people are actually afraid to give the next generation of money because they're, or wealth, because they're afraid of what they're going to do with it. Mm -hmm. They're they're afraid that they're going to just blow it or misuse it or whatever. So that also causes them to to delay some of these decisions. Wealth transfer says, well, the idea here is to prepare the next steward, right? What are we doing today to help them to receive it and to manage it and steward it properly? the next generation and so it helps take that time or it helps take that pressure off or Mm -hmm. that concern away um, about what the next generation will do with it um, because we're an active participant in that process to prepare them to make good decisions with it
1: and I think one of the things you 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 said but kind of jumped out at me is the idea of stewardship so, again, preparing the next steward is, is what you said. And, and being a good steward is very, very different principle <laughs> to what m- I guess most people would traditionally think about um, as this is mine and what do I do with it, not, again, how do I be a good steward of what I've been given and how do I prepare that next steward, right? Yeah,
0: and, and that's where people start to get lost. you are like, well, how do I even do that? Right. But, again, I'll share a bit of a story later that um where we use to help somebody actually prepare the next generation as well to receive the wealth
1: perfect so yeah I think that paints a clear picture on on really why this is such a different conversation maybe is the best way to put that and and where this process kind of stems out of and and why it's needed right because again you don't touch on a lot of these things if you're just trying to decide, okay, who's going to get what and what percentages is going where, which is unfortunately kind of how most of these conversations typically happen, um, sitting at a lawyer's desk, right? Exactly. <laughs>
0: Unhelpful
1: lawyer discussions, to be honest. Yeah. So, so if we if we start to now look at this wealth transfer process, and and again, what what kind of drives the decisions. Um, again, we, we touched on those six decisions in our, in our last episode. So today I wanted to spend some time sharing some stories and again, the principles behind kind of where this comes out of on really the first two decisions. And so, um, why don't you walk us through maybe that first decision that has to be made and again kind of those underlying principles of of what drives that conversation
0: yeah yeah so the first decision that people have to make is what we call the the treasure principle and that treasure principle goes back to what we talked in the last episode is that well you can't take it with you. There's mm-hmm. there's no U-Haul behind a hearse. So when is kind of the right time to transfer, um, to make the decision to transfer wealth to the next generation? So you and I have heard more and more over the last number of years where the baby boomers have seen great, let's say, real estate mm-hmm. um, valuations go up. Their estate values, you know, we'll tell people that their estates were $3, $4, 5000000 million or more. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, I can't imagine these numbers. And the question is, is well, how can I help my children mm-hmm. now? And so there's that, that decision as to, you know, how do I maximize the use of those assets um, for my own need or for the, um, for, for the future, for the next generation or let's say the next steward, mm-hmm. right? When's the best time to transfer that to them? Um, and so that's part of it. The other part of it is um, in the area of um, charity, mm-hmm. giving a portion of your estate away. And so that's the second part of it. And and if you look at stats, and I haven't looked them up in a while, but and and maybe I'm kind of making this up a little bit, but mostly yeah, <laughs> so most people in Canada don't have. Um, charitable giving in their estate, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and, but the polls you know, over, the, over time have consistently said that people would if given the opportunity or asked to, right? right, And so we wanna make sure we ask that question about giving money away or, or to do some charitable donations through their estate. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the treasure principle. Do I give some money away while I'm alive or through my estate? And who do I give it to? Is it to a charity or to the next uh, beneficiary or the next steward? Uh, Again, while I'm alive or uh, through my estate. So there's a couple principles that we wanna kind of unpack there and take a look at. And the first principle we want to um, consider is what we call the unity principle. Mm -hmm. And this is in the case where there is uh, two partners in the relationship, right? So let's say it's a husband and wife in this particular case. So what we want to do there is we want to say, well, my partner is there to complete me, not to compete with me. Okay. So we want to make sure we're unified. And a lot of people will get stuck on this one specifically, like, cause you I know imagine, you've seen <laughs> <it. Yeah. laughs> you can imagine that husband and wife or partners don't always agree yeah. on how things should be distributed. And, um, and, and, Sometimes it takes time for people to, to get on the same page on mm-hmm. this one. And again, it reminds me of a, of a client meeting I had many years ago. Um, husband and wife were in and we we're talking about this principle. and they didn't agree on how the fam- the estate should be distributed. And the reason is, is because there was an estranged son Mm. whom the father and the son had a a blow up and a a breakdown in the relationship. And dad wrote son out of the out of the will. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mom didn't want to write son out of the will because she still had a, a relationship with him, certainly loved him and and wanted to make sure he was blessed through the estate and uh so we went back and forth and you know he doesn't deserve anything yeah but he's our son and how can we do this and and at one point um during the meeting the husband excused himself to go use the washroom and uh as we were sitting there waiting for him to return uh, the wife turns to me and she goes you know what i'll just wait for him to die and then i'll change the will right (laughs) And, G-
1: great unity.
0: Right. <laughs> Not exactly the unified front that you want to take to the family, because when we talk about one of the decisions later, it's going to be a discussion, a you know, right. family yep. communication yep. decision. And you don't want to be going to the family saying, well, your father wants this and your mother wants that. You need to, and whoever
1: dies first is going to be the loser. Right? So, (laughs) so
0: uh, yeah. So unity is super important. Most people are unified in their decisions, Um, and maybe not even around the charitable side. I had clients a number of years ago. Again. they fought over the distribution of the estate as well, and it was because the in this particular case the wife wanted to give more away of the estate than giving it to the children, oh, okay. and the husband didn't agree with that. So they kind of went back and forth, and it was kind of fun banter and stuff. But uh, in the end, you know, the wife always wins. So <laughs> they ended up giving more of a portion of the family uh, estate to uh, charity than they did to their kids. But those are the types of things that we want to unpack and talk about, and make sure people are unified
1: makes sense um so again so that is the first kind of decision and again around the timing and transfer of of uh of assets right or of wealth i guess at that point but there's
0: another principle there that we need to kind of unpack on that treasure principle and that is what we call the wisdom principle Mm. and that is in regards to giving money to the next generation Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and so the wisdom principle states that you should you should not pass on wealth without first passing on wisdom. Mm. And that addresses that whole issue of people concerned that the, what the next generation will do with the money right. uh, if they were to give it given to them. And so um, the principle that I share with people there is that um, wealth never creates wisdom. <laughs> wisdom... It seems like a no-brainer, but... <laughs> <laughs> wisdom can create wealth, yeah, but there is no guarantee that wealth will create wisdom. And so we want to take, one of, the, one of the things we want to consider when we're talking about estate planning and wealth transfer, a lot of people think that it starts sometime in the future. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not old enough yet to have an estate plan or whatever. Actually, the wealth transfer process starts right now, mm-hmm. and that is preparing the next generation to be able to receive that. So we want to be transferring our wisdom to the next generation or to the next steward so that they manage it properly as opposed to us uh, being fearful of giving it to them and they might blow it. If there's a situation where you're afraid that they might blow it, then you kind of have to ask yourself three questions around that just to kind of break it down and figure it all out. Um, One is, you know, if I give this money to whomever, Junior, what's what's the best thing that could happen, mm-hmm. right? But also, what's the worst thing that could happen to you, mm-hmm. right? And then you want to kind of follow that up with, well, how serious is it? And then how likely is it to occur? Right. So there's, those are the three questions. And if you kind of hash that out, a lot of people find that it's actually not as bad as their fear is right. when they really start to verbalize, you know, the best thing that could happen, the worst thing, Um how serious do I really think it is, mm-hmm. and how likely it is to occur. A lot of times that just comes down to preference.
1: Right, right. right? Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, he'd blow it on a boat. I'm just making that up. Yeah. Right? Well, you think that a boat is a bad investment, and it might be, yeah. right? But he thinks it's a good investment because it's building into, say, family capital, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when you really unpack it, um, it's not necessarily as bad as you might think it might be. Right.
1: And again, part of that, and, and kind of I'm glad you use that maybe example there is there is that different mindset between generations too, right? So again, where mom and dad might see something as, I don't want to use the word, but wasteful or, right. or unresponsible, it, it may be a very different perception from, from whoever is using that, again, asset or whatever it is. Um, again they might have a very different perception of, of what it is to spend that money and that sort of thing um, so yeah no I'm, I'm glad you kind of brought that that point up as well and used that example because um, it kind of ties into some of the other things we've been talking about as well around again these the difference and transitions between generations and and everybody it's, it's part of having that discussion so that everybody's on the same page and understands each other and where each other are coming from as well, which again, is jumping ahead a little bit again to that discussion uh, decision. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's a lot of different kind of impacts that it can have along the way.
0: Well, you make a good point around uh, one of the things that we always talk about and that is, you know, life is not a rehearsal, mm-hmm. getting the best life you can now and in the future, um, you know, before it's too late sort of thing. Yeah. And so what we're seeing in differences in between generations is, our parents' generations tend to just defer everything to the future because, mm-hmm. oh, we might go through another war or famine and, you know, work, 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 and accumulate and accumulate and accumulate and then die, right? Right. Where the next generations come along and say, no, no, I I, I understand the need for the future, but I also want to equate that with more of the, the current mm-hmm. as well um, and balance life now and in the future. And what, you, what we're finding is, is that's somewhat of the difference between the generations where um the baby boomers are seeing that more as wasteful, mm-hmm. where the next generations coming along are saying, no, no, it's a balance between those things, right. And again, as you mentioned, communication is very important there.
1: Yeah. so so we once that first decision has been made, um, what is the second decision that people need to be thinking of as we're going through this process and and again, the underlying principles behind it?
0: The second one's tough, um, and it's the treatment decision. And a lot of people, again, struggle with this. So let me just kind of walk you through it. The principle is I love my children equally. As such, I treat them uniquely. So most people think that, um, that if they love their children equally, they have to treat them equally to to demonstrate or right. to prove that they love them equally. So we'll see a lot of clients say, oh, I want to take out X amount of dollars to help my kid, you know, one of my kids buy their first home. Mm-hmm. Great. But then they always follow it up with, so I need to bring out the, the additional amounts to pay off their next, their, you know, two other siblings. So really now it's three times the money right. that I thought All I was right. going to pull out. Okay. Hold on a second. And <laughs> you're... And, and then the you get down to the basis of it. It is because they want to r- demonstrate to their three children children in this case that they equi- they love them equally.
1: Right. There's no favoritism. There's right, no
0: favoritism. So. That is not true. Right. You're we, saying they're our favorite. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't my family. I'm the favorite. Um. The we love our children equally, no doubt. Okay. But we treat them. Uniquely, mm-hmm. we treat them uniquely according to who they are and how they were created. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so people will always look for kind of, well, mm-hmm. oh, give me an example, sort of thing, and you can't really tell people okay. other client stories and stuff like that because of of um, of uh, um, privacy right. issues. Yeah. <laughs> but um, what we can do is point to maybe a, a story or two that people can relate to. Mm-hmm. So sometimes people can relate to a story that actually comes out of the Bible, uh, which is the prodigal son. So if you remember the prodigal son, you had the father and his two sons, and the one son came to his father and said, hey, give me my inheritance now, and a uh, long story short, he takes it, uh, he blows it, and then he comes kind of crawling back to his dad when he uh, came to his senses, mm-hmm. okay? And the other son stayed home and uh, didn't receive his inheritance right away. So...
1: Stayed on the farm and worked. He actually stayed on the farm and worked, (laughs) right.
0: So that actually demonstrates the principle that, in that case, the father loved his boys equally. Mm -hmm. He chose to give the inheritance to the one. He didn't really, he took a chance on what that son might do with it. You know, in this case, he kind of blew it, but no, he totally blew it. Mm -hmm. But it's not necessarily true. He may have taken it and expanded and did great things with it. But in this particular parable, he didn't. But that demonstrates this idea of he lo- the father loved his boys equally, yet he treated them uniquely given their unique circumstances. Mm-hmm. And we need to give that consideration when we when we look at wealth transfer uh, to the next generation. Um, let me give you a bit of a story and an example. So years ago, I was meeting with some clients and a uh, business owner in this case, and they had two sons, have two sons. And I said, okay, your retirement plans, i figured out. We know your cash flow, you guys are set. Um, and should you pass away, you know, after taxes are paid for and everything, you've got uh, about a $1.6 million estate left over at, at age 90.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I said, okay, so um, that means with two sons, uh, we're writing them each a check for $800,000 each. So, with this principle, let's let's consider, okay, what would they do? So you have two sons, Jamie and Daniel. Um, I don't know your sons very well at all, but I don't know. Let's pick on Daniel. Um, if Daniel received a $800,000 check today, what would he do with it? Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, the husband, he just kind of hung his head. And uh, the wife, she stared straight forward uh, at the wall and uh, there wasn't much talking sign. there for <laughs> the next couple, of, well, the next few seconds. And uh, and I just remember saying to myself, I'm, don't say a word, just let them talk first. And, you know, it probably lasted 30 seconds, but it felt like an eternity. And finally the husband spoke up and he said, you know, he probably would just blow it on drugs and prostitution, right? Mm-hmm. He'd just blow the money. And uh, And so they had an issue, right? They were like, we don't, Really know what to do, we don't want to give him the money, right um, because he just blow it, but we want to treat the the boys equally um, to sh- demonstrate that we love them equally because mm-hmm. just because he struggles with these things and doesn't make good decisions in our mind doesn't mean that we don't love him. of course right. we love him yeah. right, so we had to start to unpack that. interesting in that is that the dad the father said, you know well, well this is what we'll do." We will, um, we'll give Jamie his money and then we'll put the, uh, Daniel's money into a trust for him. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens a lot. Right. Right. And that's going back to that idea of trying to control things beyond the grave, mm-hmm. which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just something we want to consider what the implications are before we make that decision right. to do that. And so I said to, uh, I said to the husband, I said, all right, you're dead and gone I'll be the lawyer. We're in the room with uh, Jamie and Daniel. They get along, yeah, yeah. They're good friends. And I say to Jamie, "Well done, you you did great. Here's your eight hundred thousand dollars." Daniel, sorry, man, You're, we're not gonna give you your eight hundred thousand. We're just gonna put it into a trust and give you a little bit here and there as you need. You can it. come to me when you need money. Right? Exactly. <laughs> I said, that's what a lot of people do, but what are the implications of that? What did we just do to the relationship between Daniel and Jamie in this case? And that's when they realized, yeah, we need to, we need to really rethink this because I think we just destroyed a relationship yeah. between two brothers.
1: That's quite the riff. <laughs> yeah. Immediately created out of nowhere. Right. Too, right? So.
0: So, and that's the challenges around the treatment decision. We have to treat them We love them equally, but we have to treat them uniquely. And then when we do, we have to consider the implications of that as well. So this actually ended up in a very positive state in this uh, particular case. So what we did was we went back to that treasure principle. And we talked about um, preparing the next steward Mm -hmm. and some charitable giving. And so they didn't feel that they needed to give $800,000 each to each boy at that time. And they did have some aspirations for some charitable giving. Mm-hmm. So we did some charitable giving and we created a donor advice fund. And what we did was we funded the donor advice fund and had Jamie and Daniel as part of the, um, the advisors on that fund. Mm-hmm. And so putting money in, we did some charity for the estate. But by adding the boys, we were able to teach them, you know, uh, investment, uh, taxation, um, generosity, mm-hmm. delayed gratification. All of these things started to come out that we could talk about and teach them and prepare the next generation right. to receive their money and understand how it should be managed and not just for our own purposes, but for the purposes of others mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and it worked. It worked out really well for that family. But it took a lot of time to kind of think through our treatment decision, how we wanted to distribute it, when we wanted them to receive it, and how do we prepare the next generation as well
1: yeah and i i can't see that conversation happening very often right like based on their reaction they had never been asked that question exactly right and and so again that comes back to the import, the importance of asking the right questions and having that proper frame of mind when you're putting this plan together so that again it is really your wishes that are happening right
0: right you've unpacked it you've talked about it you're unified between you and your partner and now you can start to go implement right so people get it backwards they get head to the, the, the right ladder. go and implement that right <laughs> who <laughs> tries to implement it get the paperwork done get the wheels in place but they haven't really thought through the implications of of the consequences of all that they're trying to do so if we get the right kind of questions up front the right kind of decisions up front and then we can go to the lawyer and say create this for us be an order taker fill it right
1: which is one of the later questions is the actual preparation and and execution of the documents yeah so yeah so really looking forward into getting into the 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 remaining four which still might be a couple of episodes at this point Um, But yeah, going through the rest of those decisions and in this wealth transfer process and uh, and unpacking those principles that drive those decisions.
0: Yeah, we really wanna encourage people to take a stewardship role of it, really think it through, be unified and make good solid decisions.
1: Thanks for tuning in to your life and money. We hope you found this episode informative and inspiring. If you have any questions or feedback, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at advice firstca Remember, financial planning is about more than just money, it's about living the life you want. So take some time to reflect on your goals and priorities and let us help you create a plan that aligns with your vision for the future. We'll be back with more stories, insights and strategies to help you get the most out of your money and your life. Until then, take care and keep planning for the life you deserve. All comments are of a general nature and should not be relied upon as individual advice. The views and opinions expressed in this commentary may not necessarily reflect those of Harborfront Wealth Management. While every attempt is made to ensure accuracy, facts and figures are not guaranteed. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Please seek advice from your accountant regarding anything raised in the content of the podcast regarding your individual tax situation.